to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Zach. And I'm Zar. Zach, Zach. Hello. Put the wow away. You are not my dad. You can't make me. I know where you live. So? <laughs> what a great response to that question, honestly. So, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? It's the end all of all conversations. All right, all right. I'll stop shit on JP. So, guys... For this segment, we are answering gaming's biggest questions. This is one of my favorite segments, by the way. I don't know why. It's just so interesting to contemplate these things that we always talk about. I love it. And it leads to a lot of debating. And JP's a master debater. Ooh. <laughs> the key is to just be louder than everyone else. That's how Trump became president. All right. All right. We're going there. We're going there right away. All right. Hell yeah. So in this segment, the three general questions about video games will be picked and then discussed by all the hosts. There are generally no rules to discussion other than trying to make it interesting and total bullshit chaos. I like total bullshit chaos. That's all we are here. <laughs> yeah, you're not good. All right. So our first question. <clears throat> and Krista asked me this late at night. It was about 10 o'clock. I was trying to go to bed. It was a long day of work. She <laughs> goes, Zach, have you ever given a game a 10 out of 10? And I go, no, no game is perfect. And then she goes, well, then why is it out of 10? And I go, well, because... And then she like asked me another question and I was like, well, but, and so anyway, the question is, cause I couldn't sleep that night and she ruined it for me. <laughs> if you have a rating scale that goes to 10, but you don't have a game that can ever reach a 10 out of 10, do you fix the scale? Hmm. Well, I think, I think to start answering the question, is there actually a game that you guys would consider a 10 out of 10 in your opinion? Zach already answered. No, there's no such thing as a perfect game. What about you, Zar? I want to say there is, but you know, a lot of this question is subjective because a game like, well, I'm just going to use this as an example because I always use this game, Alice Madness Returns. It's not a 10 out of 10 for me, but let's just say it is. But to you guys, it'd be like a three out of 10 because you do not care about it. You might not even think the game is very good. So on a personal preference, I would say that games can reach 10 but it's it's very hard to speculate uh from an actual critic service that rates games if a game could ever be a 10 out of 10 because what criteria do you have to meet to be considered a perfect game quote and that's the challenge of the question right is like there would have to be a consistent grading scale that literally everybody who does what we do uses in order to make that work and on top of that you would need to learn how to put bias aside which you probably won't be able to do since much of most of these are opinion based and learn how to come to a conclusion i'm on zach's team 100 even for games i adore there is no such thing as a 100 absolutely perfect game 
I mean, there's some games where you'd be doing nothing but nitpicking at that point, but still, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, for example, I do not think it's a 10 out of 10 game. I think it's pretty damn close to perfect, but I also see the point that Zar's trying to make too, that it's subjective. And okay, you want to honest to God know my biggest complaint about Breath of the Wild? Why is there not a cookbook? or some way to write down all the recipes. There's hundreds of recipes in this game, but no way to record it. You have to memorize how to make everything important. Oh yeah, that kind of pissed me off. And especially because you could use a plethora of ingredients to create the same dish. Yeah. There just needs to be some cataloging for the the cooking, I thought. But isn't that such a trivial thing to complain about in a game that is as massive as Breath of the Wild? One out of ten. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's no cookbook. Don't you start. Don't you start with me. (laughs) So then that begs the question. Do we fix the scale? Because even Breath of the Wild, the game that we unanimously think is like the gold standard of video games. We can't give a perfect score. And I know that we're going to the question, but for the record, that's not the only problem I have with Breath of the Wild. I also think that it starts you off. The Great Plateau is way too difficult and there's no like cap on that. When you're still learning how to play the game and weapons are breaking, it's kind of frustrating. Like you have to stick with it and then it becomes immensely fun. But I think the intro, it's definitely the get good attitude, which you know what? Fair enough, because I had a great time with the game. I'll agree with that. But anyway, reforming the 10 out of 10 scale. Well, you need a cap, right? Like, so if a 10 out of 10 is a pure, perfect video game, you need to keep that cap at a 10. Otherwise, what would the scale even look like? Like, I rate this game a mermaid and star sticker and three chickens. It's like, you need... That's a good game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got three chickens. Three chickens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you need a cap. You need something to strive for because that item that you strive for is how you rank the item that you're grading. I, I'll agree with that point. And I think maybe I'll, I'll twist this a little bit and say that the numbering scale, the 10 out of 10, or even for Metacritic, it's like out of 100. That's all basically the same and there's not much you could do for that. But circling back to a point that you made earlier, JP, is maybe we could provide some sort of a step-by-step criteria that wouldn't be arbitrarily used because most critics are rating things differently. And Mm -hmm. one critic site may give a game like a five and another critic site gives it a nine because this is all just arbitrary and we need that step-by-step form to see how well games stack up against other games. So that's maybe something we could strive for. I don't know. Zach, you've had more time to think about this than either of us have since Krista woke you up in the middle of the night with this amazing question. What do you think? Yeah, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's it's got to change. And I really like how Game Explain does theirs as don't like 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 it a lot or love and i think that does a good way of putting it like hey i really love this game because the end of the day no matter what you do a review is always subjective Mm -hmm. it just it is what it is i mean like yeah there can be a really bad game but you're gonna say i hate this game 
are I like this game if they would fix the fact that I get five frames per second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ooh, I I really like where you're going with that because that then you know you have like five hundred thousand people that loved this, and then you have like twenty thousand people who hated it or whatever, and you have that range between like or didn't like, like really liked, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Because then you see numbers of people with like mindsets, and it's I, I feel like the ten out of ten really sets people up for failure because I've seen, I've played games that were reviewed at like a 9.7 and I would have given them a six. Mm. And so I I really like what you say, Zach. I think that we should go to a more standard of, I liked this or I didn't like this. But I mean, like that's why sites like Metacritic are so powerful, right? Because rather than going off of people who consider themselves professional reviewers as arbitrary as that may be you have people like us who actually just love playing video games who have played a lot of video games who are giving their two cents on the game those are the opinions on the game that are the most valuable but like the question is if they weren't giving you a rating on some type of number scale what other methodology would they be using to explain to you how much they either liked or didn't like the game see like chris when Krista, Krista makes a good point. Like if there's no game that can be a 10, then should you think about using a different scale because it's almost like setting yourself up for failure. But where I'm struggling is like, okay, but if we didn't have this system, what would we use instead? Well, we could just cut the limit at a 9.9. And you know, a, the highest a game could ever do is a 9.9 because there is no such thing as perfection. And that 10 is just... Don't even think about it. I mean, maybe, but then wouldn't the new cap be 9.9? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you just have that one decimal point that is is the uh, difference between, you know, one of the best games you will ever play and a game that couldn't even exist because there is no such thing as perfection. And the other problem is even if you... Like, obviously, there's no such thing as a unbiased review of a video game, but there are still standard mechanics in every game that you should be able to judge based on the ease the player has of adapting to the that new criteria for that game. You know, for example, you know, you may or may not like the story of a game like, I don't know, I'll just throw one out there, Ocarina of Time. You may or may not like the story of Ocarina of Time, but... You can't deny that sometimes the controls are a little, you know, are a little janky and that running around and that jumping only when you reach the edge of something can be kind of tedious and annoying sometimes. That's more of a fact of the game rather than an opinion. But even then, that's still kind of an opinion. I don't know. Help me. (laughs) It's a good one, right? (laughs) It it seems like the answer was so obvious at first. And now you guys have both brought up good points. And now I'm thinking about it. Well, that's how all of these uh, questions on video game topics go. We always just kind of leave ourselves unanswered. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's it's so open for interpretation. I think the best thing we can do is leave the scale as it is now, but accept it for its imperfections because it's kind of the best option for giving a grade that we have at the moment. But I mean, like... Ultimately, you shouldn't just be buying games off of their reviews anyway. Well, you should be looking at the reviews, but like the ratings, 
you should still play a game if you think it looks good because that's just the thing is you really need to try games for yourself because there's so much bias in gaming ratings and game reviews like if something looks interesting by all means pick it up absolutely do your own homework yeah get your own opinion (laughs) this one's mine (laughs) oh boy good question Zach you guys ready for question number two yeah let's do it all right so when is a game considered completed if it's Bethesda never Well, maybe now that Microsoft owns them, they'll be singing a different tune because the memes about like crying people is like Bethesda when Microsoft makes them finish a game. It's been chef's kiss. Brilliant. (laughs) I love them. I really I really like this question, though, Um, especially it's it's a lot different now. Like if we had this podcast, even though I don't think podcasts were a thing in the 90s with like the Nintendo 64 those games absolutely completed you know you got the cartridge play it start to finish whatever's there is there it's done but now with today in digital downloads we have endless dlcs and endless stories to tell so it's it's really hard to say that a game could actually be complete anymore when you just have more dlc thrown into the mix Okay, but there's still like you can still 100% a game. I think the question is more like is the game complete when you beat the story or when you 100% finish the game? Oh, okay. So we're not actually talking about the developers, we're talking about the players. Aha, I left it intentionally ambiguous to confuse you. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you whore. Now you look stupid, Zar. Ha 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 ha. Ha I didn't even need to open my mouth to look stupid. No, so um, <laughs> this, this is not a pick on Zar Day. But yeah, I, I wasn't very specific. I was taking how JP meant it. So um I think when I looked at the script originally, I took it that way. So I don't know why I went in that direction. <laughs> you know what? That is not to say that what you said was not an interesting assertion, though. And we will certainly get back to that in a moment. But the reason why I thought this question spoke to Czar more than Zachary is because like, OK, like, for example, right now, don't ask me why it took me so long. I'm doing my very first playthrough of Skyrim ever. Okay, yeah. I was waiting for the collective gasps and sighs to subside so I can keep going when I'm saying Bruh, yes. That game came out November 11th, 2011. I am well aware of when <laughs> Skyrim came out. I know. I missed the boat. I missed the I boat. I never played until it came to Switch, so I can't judge you, JP. So I'm having a great time playing Skyrim, but it is notorious for how much time you can sink into not just the story missions, but bullshitting around with the side stuff and just wandering around looking for plunder. So what I'm trying to say is there's obviously a main story that goes along with Skyrim, but some people won't stop until every quest has been finished. No rock has been left unturned. Is that when you consider the game completed is when it's 100% or when you beat the story mode and you're satisfied with the amount of time you've put into the game? I think the answer could be considered both. Um, For me, Uh, no PC answers are you have (laughs) hard opinions on this podcast. All right, I'll get into the hard opinions then. I mean, it's, it's really difficult for me because I am such a completionist and 
will try to hundred percent games. Um, and yeah, in the back of my mind, that game is always on the back burner and it's always in my mind. Like I want to finish it. I want to just get that last 2% of the game finished, but I move on to other games anyway. So my opinion would be a game is complete when you feel like you have gotten your money's worth. Oh, when you can put down a game with full satisfaction and move on to the next game, whether that be if you finish the story or if you hundred percent the game or hell, even if you like make it to the final boss and you don't kill the final boss, if you feel like you're done with that game, it's completed. That is the wrong opinion. Sorry. And let me explain to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's just I feel like a big hole in that is like for me, I stop playing a game not when I'm satisfied, partially when I'm satisfied, but I play games beyond when I'm satisfied with them. I stop playing a game when I get bored of that game. And for me, sometimes that happens way before I complete the story. Sometimes that happens way after I complete the story. Sometimes that happens way after I 100% the entire game. Infamous Second Son is the example of that. You can 100% complete that game in probably about 20 to 25 hours. It's not a super long game. There's a decent amount of replayability. But once you're done with literally doing everything there is to do with the game, the gameplay is so immersive and fun that just fucking around is still a good time. And then there are games with like Paper Mario and the Origami King. Guys, have you beat that game yet? Paper who? Oh, yeah, I like almost 100 percent of that. That's one of those back burner <laughs> games that bugs me at night because I just need like three percent left. There's like one confetti hole and one other thing that I haven't found. Zach, what about you? I I, I have not. I, I beat the I don't even know what I beat it, to be honest. So to go back to your opinions are. I got bored with the Origami King and stopped playing. That's not to say it was a bad game. It's just like I stopped playing it because there were things on the back burner. I got a little bored of the game. It's a lot longer of a game than they let it on to be, by the way. I think all three of us agreed on that. So, but I feel like I got my money's worth, but by no means does that mean it's completed because I haven't finished the story yet. I think think that's definitely the minimal standard to consider a game completed as beating the story. Anything beyond that is is due to the player's OCD. Like my compulsive drive is what made me push to try to 100% Paper Mario because I didn't really want to. Once I finished the game and like beat the story, I was like, all right, cool. I kind of want to go on to something new now. Maybe Luigi's Mansion 3. But for whatever reason, I could not put the game away until I was satiated. (laughs) Hmm. That's fair. I don't even know if I'm allowed to comment on such a subject. Uh, why? Guys, I am so deep into my backlog that I, I, I feel like I make up new rules for what's completing a game each time. <laughs> um, and so, like, is it when I get bored of it? Probably. I don't, I don't know, man. I just feel like I'm trying to get to a point where I don't feel guilty for having a games in my backlog. Uh, Zach, I've got bad news, but that's probably not going to happen. JP, 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 JP. What, Zach? Let me live in my little world, okay, man? 
Okay, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> All right. Listen, you guys kind of bring up an interesting point here when you keep saying that I consider it complete when I get bored with the game. But is it complete if you go back to it, like JP said, and just like fuck around in the open world or something? Well, my- because then you got games like World of Warcraft and RuneScape. Those you could never complete those like there. It's just never going to be completed. Well, actually, I said that originally to counter something you were trying to say is that usually I stop playing a game when I get bored of that game. And oftentimes that can happen before I would consider myself done with the game. If we're taking hard stances on this, a game is complete. The bare minimum, the bare minimum to complete a game is to beat the primary campaign. You know, if if the game has multiple endings. Oh, why would you ask that? (laughs) Oh, why would you say that? Chaos. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. If you're going down that route, if you're going down that road, like if you're Bioshocking to this, Bioshocking toing this, if you complete one run through of the campaign, I would consider that game done. Take Detroit Become Human from uh, the PlayStation 4 exclusive, there are several different ways the ending can play out depending on the many, many, many decisions that you make throughout the game. And I am not replaying the game 20 times to see how each of these endings play through. If you complete the game one time, start from finish, the game's completed. Hard opinion, that's my opinion. Am I wrong? I think we can all agree that the bare minimum is finishing the story. And the rest just kind of becomes chaos after that. But I know you as a completionist, like that probably kills you when, you know, maybe you get the gold star on the select screen because you completed the campaign, but then you get like a 67% complete. That probably kills you inside, doesn't it, Zar? Oh, I hate that so much. I have one ending left in the Binding of Isaac and I cannot access that ending because of a glitch. And it just. Oh, really? Yep. It. What you have to do is you have to beat a certain boss before you go into the womb and kill it lives. And if you, but if you unlock it lives before you kill that boss, you don't get the ending at all. Wow, that's irritating. Yup, and and oh, it it bugs me. Makes me feel like I got bugs crawling all over me. And see, that would that bothers me too because when I can. I like to 100% complete games. There's only honestly probably about 10 to 15 games where I've 100% beaten the game. But to go back to Zach's point too, with the way my backlog is looking right now, I should just be grateful that I got the story the way that it is, you know? Oh yeah. But it's it can also be a bit of a shame because a lot of games where you have side missions give you so much more story and depth if you complete those side missions. So by no means am I making the argument that you're fine if you do the bare minimum in these games, because that's by no means true. I'm just saying that, like, if you are trying to power through games to get through a backlog, the minimum I would say you have to do to get through the game is just complete the campaign. You know, I'm going to I'm going to take a firm stance behind you on that one, Um, because in the spirit of the spooky season, which Once this episode is released as now done, sadly, and enters the festive holidays. Check out the Halloween seed episode, by the way. That was fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was so much fun. Oh, had a good time with that. Anyway. But 
in the spirit of the spooky season, I've been playing the entire Dead Space trilogy. And, oh, it was so hard going, like powering through those games. I think I had I had 10 hours in Dead Space 1, 11 hours in Dead Space 2. I'm almost done with Dead Space 3. And it just killed me not to do a second playthrough after I had all my gear and all my upgrades and just like really strive how I did when I originally played Dead Space. Right. But I, I held myself back and I just finished the story. And as soon as the story was done, I popped in the next Dead Space. So I, I will stand behind you in your opinion, JP. Just out of curiosity, do you guys remember the last game you 100%ed? Spiral the Dragon. One, two, and three. Do you 100%ed completed the entire Reignited trilogy? Oh, yeah. How? All skill points. Oh. Um, it's just my, it's like my childhood like, game. I like to go back to it every now and then. Interesting. Ooh. What about you, Czar? Lego Batman 3. Hey, no shame. I've heard that game's great. Oh, yeah. I, I love a good Lego game. And those games, when I, I can't get satisfied for 100, 100%ing like Paper Mario and stuff, I'll go play one of my many backlog Lego games and just knock it out 100%. Because those are, are really easy to 100%. And it just, it, it just, gives me such bliss when I hit that mark. So what about you, JP? <laughs> I was going to say, you guys want to hear mine? Yeah. Would you 100%? I'm very, very, very proud of this one. The very first Crash Bandicoot that's in the Insane Trilogy, I 100%ed all the time trials, got every diamond for going through every level without dying one time, even the DLC secret unreleased level for the PlayStation 1 that was taken out of the game for being too hard. Got the diamond on that for going through it without dying once. Yeah, that's madly impressive. Yep. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about it a couple times in the podcast and you are insane, <laughs> pun intended, for doing that. <laughs> I think I honestly think I'm a bit of a sadist. I think I enjoy That's why I played Cuphead. That's why I played Getting Over It. And that's why I put myself through the hours upon hours of torment trying to get that stupid diamond. But that is one of my proudest gaming moments right there. As well it should be. Not a lot of people can say that. Flex. I'm flexing. <laughs> I'm not going to stop flexing until the end of this episode. Actually, that kind of hurts. <laughs> Do a dab. <laughs> I already did several times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It, it's just for me. I know you guys can't see me, but the dabs are for me. <laughs> JP just want to ask that question so we can flex that on us. You did good, JP. You did good. A little bit. But not to say that you guys aren't impressed. Like, Zach, that actually is really impressive getting through the Reignited trilogy. I mean, the Crash one's a little bit more impressive. How many times did you cry? That's the real question. How many controllers did you break? Yep. <laughs> the answer to both of those questions is yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, you know, that's kind of funny. We ended on Crash and Spyro there. When are sequels bad? Ooh. Is it when you have a remake of Pokemon every three years? <laughs> is it when you've rebooted a franchise twice, Halo? <laughs> is it when you literally are making up new names in COD? Or is it the people who don't know what the definition of final means in Final <laughs> Fantasy? <laughs> when are sequels a bad thing, boys? Ooh, there's a lot of different branches to this tree. Yeah, no kidding. I don't even know where to start. I'm going to use the example of Dead Space again. Um, 
because the sequels are amazing. And believe me, I need a Dead Space 4. How they left the story, there has to be a Dead Space 4. It's never going to happen. I'm sorry to all you listeners out there. It's not. (laughs) Cool. But like those sequels were great. They were also terrible because of the company that surrounded them, EA. It's in the game. (laughs) Not anymore, it's not. You have to pay for it. Yeah, basically. EA Sports, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Because shit, I found out after like seven years of not touching Dead Space 3 that I didn't even finish the game because you have to pay 10 fucking dollars to see the actual ending of the game. Thanks, EA. Yeah, what kind of shit is that? And so my my first branch that I say when sequels are bad is when that happens because the story is amazing. I was absolutely compelled. But then you just got the greedy predatory practices surrounding the game. That's like, hey, you want to be better at the game? Hey, you want more resources so you can make better guns? Hey, do you actually want to see how the game ends? (laughs) That's when a sequel is bad because it is it's just setting up people's hype to funnel money into a company because they already know that people are compelled by this game and that they will pay any price. Hell, there is even a microtransaction for one of the scavenger bots that you can deploy to collect resources. And it was $5 to give your bot sarcastic personalities. So it would chew you out if you like deployed it in space or when enemies were around. You suck. Like what the fuck? I'm not going to lie. I agree. That's a, that's a little sleazy, but that does sound like a little fun. And I might have caved for that one. That sounds fun. I would love to have my bot tell me how much of an asshole I am, but I'm not paying five bucks for it anyway. So that's just one take on how sequels can go the way of the dodo. And hence why we never got a dead space for very, very interesting. Can I paint a picture for you boys? Absolutely. I would love it if you did that. So, I love pictures. You may know that I like a certain game. Um, well, it's certain two games. One is called uh, World of Warcraft. Uh-huh. <laughs> More like World of Crack. I'm rubbing my temple, by the way. Just going, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And guys, I have played this game off and on since 2008. I have made so many friends so many late night runs doing raids doing dungeons not for any point other than just to f around and goof off with people some of my greatest times are on this game so even though um there are times where i'm mad the game because it's not always balanced the right way and i i kind of want like the expansion to die or the game to move on i'm always secretly in the back of my head excited i'm excited when a new expansion comes out as much as i hate activision what they've done to blizzard and I've talked about that many times. There's mm-hmm. always a secret little kid inside of me cheering when the next expansion gets announced. Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, which one of my friends are going to come back with me? Like, who's going to play this game with me again? Even if it's just for a little bit. And I know I'm never going to be able to relive those same like 2 a.m. adventures, going through old dungeons and goofing around in PvP and just being a monster meanie head and like battlegrounds. I, I know that. I'm too old for that, but I also secretly look forward to the time where I get to just go back there and hang out with people and just catch up and relive 
even though this isn't the glory days of World of Warcraft by any means, and just relive the times of hanging out with like old people and just kind of reminiscing. It is like the nostalgia high all over again when World of Warcraft releases a new expansion, which I consider a sequel. I mean, it's not WoW 2 by any means, but like it's a continuation of the story that World of Warcraft is told. Sure. I see where you're coming from on that. So even though I know the sequel probably isn't going to be the best thing, it's not going to reignite the world. Um, it's not the internet sensation that Eric Cartman told everyone about. It's still an amazing time. And I'm still glad that even though it's a shell of itself, the company's still putting out the product so I can still go on that nostalgia high. Nostalgia is a powerful driving force. It really is, especially for the people in the 1990s generation. <laughs> so, Zach, that was a great example. Thanks for setting the scene. It made my heart happy how much you love World of Warcraft. It really did. But part of the reason why you look on that so fondly, it is nostalgia, but also because you know that there's quality that comes with these expansions. It's not just more of the same bullshit that was already previously designed in order to make you buy more stuff. It's a new product with more love that just adds on to something that you already loved. When are sequels bad? Sequels are bad when that's not the case. We've been shitting on it a lot lately. Let's take a look at Fallout 76. Oof. Woof. I know. I know. Zar, do you feel like Bethesda put the normal amount of love that they normally put into games into Fallout 76? Oh, God, no. And I mean, I think kind of an opinion based off of uh, Bethesda and the Fallout branch, a sequel is bad when you completely change everything that people loved about the game to begin with. I mean, obviously you can't just cut and paste the same mechanics into a new game because that never goes over well, but you can't completely reshape the entire format from the ground up via adding a multiplayer aspect or adding, you know, not being able to fast travel to certain places yeah. And when, when you divert from everything that made this game amazing, that's when you give up on a sequel. OK, but some a point I'll bring up to challenge that is Resident Evil 7 following Resident Evil 6. They changed so much about Resident Evil 7. But it was actually such a breath of fresh air that many Resident Evil fans loved that game when they had previously lost a little bit of love for the franchise as a whole. They did completely reshape it. However, a lot of people's opinions were is that they got back to their roots. And so that's that's a good sequel, in my opinion, because Resident Evil 6, terrible sequel. That game should have never been fucking made. Fight me. It's no, terrible. I, I agree with you. It uh, That was fun fact. That's the first Resident Evil game I played was Resident Evil 6. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was that's I was like, I don't see what all the hype is about. No, clearly not, because it was so bad. And then my second game, my second Resident Evil game was Resident Evil 7. And I was like, oh, my God, this game is incredible. This was a great horror game. And really the only thing that they completely changed that was different from the Resident Evil series was the fact that it was first person. Mm -mm. I mean, you still had item management. You could still kill certain monsters. And that was very, very reminiscent to the first three Resident Evils, which 
uh, you could argue was the staple of what it meant to be Resident Evil. I still think Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games, but it's definitely took a different turn. Mm -hmm. But they didn't modify the game to the point where it couldn't even be considered Resident Evil anymore, which is what they did with Resident Evil 6. So to more elaborate on what makes sequels bad, really what we've been talking about is what makes sequels good, because only by figuring out what separates the two can you start to take off points for bad sequels. Honest to God, and Zach, I need you to shut up when I say this. You know what the best sequel I think ever made was? Pokemon Crystal. <laughs> Why would the show about this? Because we argued about what the best Pokemon generation was, and you had two and I had four, and I told you you were wrong and that I hate you. And Zara made my own points for me? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you remember that? Thanks for nothing, Zara. I remember that very well. Yeah, I try to repress that. Trying to win a debate here and you just shot, you somehow shot yourself in the foot and then that bullet made a U-turn and shot me in the foot. <laughs> this is a magic bullet. Uh, magic bullet by a big jerk. <laughs> and how. Okay, what made Pokemon Crystal so great? What made Pokemon Crystal so great was that it brought just enough to the table that was new but also made the game similar enough that it could be appreciated by the old fans and the new fans alike. Now, obviously, Pokemon took that formula and pounded it into the ground where it wasn't fun anymore. But after the first Pokemon game, people were craving something new. And so what did they got? They got a completely new region. They got 50 new Pokemon to tack on to the original 150 that they loved. Once you're done with the new region, you get to go to the old region and revisit all the Pokemon gyms, catch new Pokemon, see old gym leaders. And then once you're done with that region, you go fight your own character from the first game that you just got done playing. That's how you make a sequel, boys. Yeah, that's that 100% agree with that. That oh is my. a perfect sequel. That was amazing. And that's exactly what they did was they introduced enough things that were new with enough things that were old and put quality and love and time into the game. That's how you make a good sequel. And therefore, bad sequels are sequels that lack those things. All three of us have been bringing up examples of games where there's just quote unquote, not enough love put into the product. That's all it really is. I don't have a problem with sequels over original IPs as long as there's quality in the product. And more often than not, we don't always see the same level of love or any love at all sometimes. And that's what makes a sequel bad. It's so true. And I have two more points to make on uh, dissecting what it means to be a bad sequel. Sure. I like how on the list, Zach, you added Halo and COD because I, yeah, virtually most of those sequels are terrible. Um, either they're not mixing up the formula enough or it's, it's just a series that has played out, you know? Like in COD, they had to make up their own war and now they're covering a non-war, you know, the Cold War where there is no fighting. And, and so, like, where do you go in a game that is based off of world wars and, like, actual wars when you got nothing left to do? How do you keep making games? And with Halo, like, I've said this time and time again, my, my opinion has changed a little bit with the new 
news and trailers that we've gotten on the newest Halo, how it's open world. I love it, but that series still needs to be put to bed. Like it's time to stop making sequels because you've already had your limelight mm-hmm. and anything else is just going to be adding coffin nails and making people hate you. And my second point um, is, is kind of going back a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a game called The Darkness. I think maybe this is a game where do you like Italian organized mob based crime? Do I? And demons? Do I? Yeah, well, that's what this game is. You are Jackie Estacado, who is part of the Italian mob in, I think, Chicago or maybe New York. And you get killed on a hit that you were supposed to perform and you get resurrected by this thing called the darkness. And so now you got these two black tentacle snakes that sit on your shoulders and will literally rip people's hearts out and eat them. That's how you level up. Oh, good golly gosh. And it was so dark and morbid and so cool because, yeah, you had this supernatural aspect, but you're also part of the mob and you got to take care of your family. Otherwise, your family's going to turn on you and you have to lead the family. It was such an amazing game. Those two aspects you th- you would think could not be brought together, but mm-hmm. it came together so well. And then from that success, they decided to make a sequel. And it was terrible. It was basically copy and paste kind of of the gameplay from the first game, but they completely redid the art style. So now it looked like a comic book or a graphic novel. It didn't have that gritty dark realism to it anymore and it just it looked too silly right and it was way over the top they added way too many explosions they just wanted to make you feel like you could blow up a whole city that's not what the first game was about so to really dig into how you can make a sequel bad is when you completely abandon all previous notions and all previous purposes of what your original story intended to be as a cash grab because that's all the darkness 2 was was just trying to capitalize on the success of the first game and it did not work at all so the three of us seem to agree on what aspects make the story like the campaign or story mode of these games bad but what's interesting about games like halo and cod is there's campaigns have been pretty bad on and off for a while now and yet they're still amazing selling games because of their multiplayers so what about multiplayers in video games what make multiplayer sections bad i mean could it be considered a sequel if you're just jumping game to game to fight people online i mean you're you're essentially just playing the same multiplayer that in itself is a great question that needs to be asked. And in my opinion, yes, they are different games because hell COD is not that different multiplayer to multiplayer. They add a few new mechanics and a few new guns, but for some people that really changes up the way you play the game. And plus there's new maps, um, new skins. I mean, that's it. I'm really hitting the bottom of the barrel there because you do make a good point. It's not that, it's not that. I was about to say, JP, what are you, what are you doing, JP? I'm trying, I'm trying to justify my point, but the more I try it, I'm pulling a czar here. I'm <laughs> making czar look good. Trying to make <laughs> yeah. my own points. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, you're paying 60 bucks for the same experience. 
Like you don't even consider the campaign because you just go straight to the multiplayer. And it's basically like you could have done this with DLC because, you know, DLC adds maps, DLC adds guns, DLC adds skins. Huh. That's a yeah. good, that's a good point. <laughs> Those are good points. Uh, yeah. You know what? Forget I said anything. <laughs> I was, just, I don't know. Cut, I was, out. cut to commercial. Cut to go. I was trying to add an interesting new mechanic to the conversation, but the more I thought about it, you're kind of right. I don't know if there's enough new about those types of multiplayers that could justify calling it a brand new game altogether. And plus, it's the package, right, of the campaign and the multiplayer put together. Not for long, because soon on Xbox, you'll be able to just delete the campaign. Yeah, I remember. Don't remind me. I think we're going down a weird path there. <laughs> um, what is your guys' take on Final Fantasy? Like, what about those sequels? Good? Bad? Somewhere in between? Does it just need to die? <laughs> no, I think every Final Fantasy does something different and new and fun. Zach, I don't know how many Final Fantasy games you've played. I've played four. I have played none to completion. <laughs> Okay, so I've played Final Fantasy VII, the remake. I played Final Fantasy VII, the original, but did not beat it. I played Final Fantasy IX. I've played Final Fantasy XV. And I plan on getting Final Fantasy XVI because that game looks fire. Hey, for, for the record, I have seven, eight, and nine, and 12. Okay, how many of you started up? I started all of them. That's it. I've just started them. How, did, you get very, <laughs> did you get very far at any of them? What about just started them? Don't you get JP? <laughs> Why would you start a new Final Fantasy without finishing the other one? I don't know, because I think that I'm going to have more time when I do it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be calling you out like this. All right. Circle in the question back, though. Do you think how they make their sequels that they're doing it well, or are they kind of going the way of the dodo? If you're interested in Final Fantasy, you could start playing at any game in the entire series and have a great time without any prior knowledge of any of the other games because it does not make that much of a difference, except in a few cases. That is the sign of a great sequel, in my opinion, hmm. is the fact that each one of these games offers something new and fun and exciting and unique while still offering something similar. And that's what makes a good sequel. So even though like the stories don't have to be tied and you can just jump into whatever game you want, that that does not qualify that as a bad sequel. Not in my opinion, as long as there's quality behind the game and you still have a good time playing it. Hmm. It's like, OK, so like if you jumped from Final Fantasy seven to Final Fantasy eight, Having any prior knowledge of what's happening in Final Fantasy VII will not give you any advantage to playing Final Fantasy VIII because you're introduced to a new roster of characters with new abilities in a new setting with a new story. And sometimes they even take place like hundreds of years apart from each other. Exactly. That's what a lot of people don't understand about the Final Fantasy series. And that's why it can be so intimidating for people who do want to jump in is that none of the games are connected at all, except in spinoffs. For example, like you could play Crisis Core, um, but that's considered like a direct link to Final Fantasy seven and does not ruin your ability to play Final Fantasy eight or any other Final Fantasy game for that matter. I think that the Final Fantasies, each game is very, very unique and very fun. The ones I've played anyway, I'm sure there are bad Final Fantasy games, but I'm going to leave that for the hardcore fans to debate about. All I know is that 
I think it's a great series and all the sequels have something great about them. All right. Um, ooh, I just thought of something. So what about if a game hones its focus? For example, Minecraft. Absolutely love Minecraft. Of course. I looked into Minecraft story mode. I hate it. It looks so stupid and I will never touch that game because okay. it just it, it diverts the intent. The original purpose of Minecraft is, you know, what is the ultimate goal in Minecraft? I don't know. N- nothing. You just you just exist. But in story mode, you got a, a, a definite start to finish that just doesn't feel like the original game anymore. Would you consider that a sequel or is that an expansion? Hmm. I, I I don't know. I mean, I would consider it more of a sequel because it's completely different. And if if it's an expansion, I would I would think that like Minecraft story mode has expansions. So you got like the dungeon, you got the ender world and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's it's not connected to the original Minecraft. And so I think for an expansion, it has to build on what's already there. Wow. There is so much. I knew that we were going into a deep rabbit hole with this question, but there are so many different factors to consider. Oh, yeah. Zach, do you have any thoughts? Because I'm kind of lost for words here. My mind is like scrambled eggs right now. I got nothing. I'm lost in the sauce. (laughs) So much sauce. There is a lot of sauce. I don't know. I There's just a lot to think about. I love open-ended questions like these, by the way. I really do. I love thought-provoking conversation in general, but when it comes to video games, it's even more fun, especially since you guys are giving me lots of great ideas for things to talk about for my college thesis, so... (laughs) Yeah, go us. Yeah, go go me. Go Zach and go Zar and go JP. Yeah. Yeah, but I... I don't know. I feel like we didn't scratch. Like, what about Pokemon Soul Silver or Pokemon? Uh, Dude, we do not have the time. Pokemon Emerald, which is just a rehash and more focused version. Not even a more focused version. Just a oh my god DLC we could have included. We could literally make. I'm not even joking. A three part episode series about why the third game in every Pokemon franchise, you know, series is a scam. <laughs> Ultra Sun and Moon. I think Crystal was the only like second release of a generation that really offered a lot of new material compared to the first two games that came out in the series. Like, I'll go back to my Pokemon generation, Pokemon generation four. Diamond and Pearl by themselves are fantastic games. If you get Pokemon Platinum, there simply, in my opinion, is not enough new material there to justify buying that third game in the franchise. There's just not. You get a little bit more story. Funny that you say that because I totally disagree because like (laughs) there was something wrong with that. Those games like when you would go to fly anywhere, it would take hours to get somewhere. Yes, I'm being dramatic, but it would take hours. I'm being a little I'm not being dramatic. It's hours. I waited hours. I mean, I was, I'm more talking about like game story and things to do in the game. Um, you could certainly, as far as like bad sequels go, you could make a case that it wasn't as well made, you know, glitchy and bugginess wise, but like as far as stuff to do in game, I would argue that it's the exact same game with a little bit of added story about what's going on with Juratina. And that's literally it. In the Battle Frontier, that wasn't in it, was it? Yeah. Um, no, it definitely I wasn't. I don't think so. 
Boom. And then I would I would say the same thing for Emerald with Ruby and Sapphire. I would say the same thing after black and white. That's where they didn't even give a fuck anymore. They just started going black two and white two. I think after that was Sun and Moon and then Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Was there something in between those? Oh, Pokemon X and Y. Yeah. I don't even remember what they did for Pokemon X and Y. I think it was just Pokemon XY. They didn't. Nope, they didn't even do that. So Pokemon is on its own completely different wavelength, okay? Yeah, that that's fair. So kind of the consensus I'm I'm hearing is that what makes a sequel bad is when not enough love goes into the sequel as the original um if a game has been way too overplayed and a series just needs to die um when they manipulate what made the game originally good and then just take it in such a bad direction or even adding riddling a game with microtransactions those are kind of the only solid opinions i've seen on this question so far and that's just the thing is they are all opinions and the thing about making a good sequel, it's kind of like making a follow up album to a hit album. If you make it too different, people are going to bitch and complain that it's not even the same kind of music anymore and they're going to be pissed off. If you make the album sound too similar to your first album, people are going to bitch that all your music sounds the same and why should they get the next album? But if you make it just the right touch, it's a very narrow gap of enough new and enough old. I think that's the key to making a great sequel. Man, we didn't even cover The Last of Us. Oh, dude, we don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time. We don't have time. And also, I promised that I would let The Last of Us go to go as soon as I got done with that hour and a half long episode you and I made about it. <laughs> it's time. It's time to move on. Last of Us 2 is not going to win any awards for game. Well, it's probably going to win a couple awards, but not game of the year. I knew if I pull it, if I just tugged at that thread a little bit, it would it would unravel. Oh, my God, dude, that there is so much that I could could and have said about The Last of Us Part Two, but I got it all off my chest. The Last of Us Part Two is like a bad breakup. I can tell you I'm over it as many times as I want, but I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just, I'm falling apart. <laughs> Things are great. I'm fine. Everything's fine. All right, guys, I think it's time to wrap it up. Zach's got football and stuff to do. I've got some Halloween shenanigans and Zara's got to be too busy dying on a couch. Yup, I'm dying. <laughs> All right. Any last assertions before we end this? Zach, anything? Yeah. No, that's it. I guess that counts. <laughs> Zara, anything? All of you listeners out there, uh, we want to know what you thought of how we answered these questions. We want to know your responses. What did we get wrong? What did we get right? And we basically got everything right, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, drop us your opinions. Come on by the social page. By all means, go and tell us what you think on Twitter. We're finally starting to get a little bit more of a fan base that likes to interact with us on social media more. All of you people, go tell us what you think. We can't wait. Let's start some conversations. Hell yeah. All right, boys, I think it's time to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye.